Trigger warning. Please note, this episode contains themes and depictions of human trafficking that may be disturbing to listeners. Listener discretion is advised. If you or someone you know needs help, resources are available in the show notes. The air was ringing with laughter as song after wedding song was sung while the bride was being draped in a bright red sari adorned with gold jewelry and flowers. Wave upon wave of tittering, giggles and chatter filled the air. Some of the older aunts even cracked a lewd joke or two, causing the younger women to blush and scandalize more conservative folk. Jyoti, the young bride-to-be, understood none of this. Her eyes grew wider with unease and fear as she tightened her grasp on her older sister's hands, who was already married. Aarti was biting down on her lip and trying very hard to hold back tears as she felt helpless for her sister. At 15, she wore the words wife, daughter-in-law and sister-in-law so uneasily herself. What could she say to her little sister, her baby sister, who up until 30 minutes ago didn't even know she was getting married? She wasn't supposed to. She was only 11 years old after all. Unfortunately, nobody knew, except for the fates. Little Jyoti and her father Ravi were visiting Aarti in her marital home. Aarti's brother-in-law was getting married the next day. Warmly greeted by her daughter's new family, Ravi left Jyoti in Aarti's care while he went to relax and gupshap with the menfolk. As evening fell, the drinks came out. Aarti's father-in-law, Kishan, was puffed up with happiness. By this time tomorrow, his younger son would have tied the knot. His biggest responsibility as a father would be over. Ravi felt a slight twinge of envy. It would be a few years until he felt the same. And at least Kishan had sons. Having two daughters, his responsibility was far, far greater. Living in drought-prone Bundelkhand in Uttar Pradesh, the men of that area had to go to other towns and cities for work. Leaving young, unmarried girls behind was troubling and stressful. Once his Jyoti was also married, then Ravi's burden would be eased and the pressure to find work that earned a better income would be reduced. But that wasn't to be until a few years, so until then, life had to continue in this way. As evening darkened to night, various states of inebriation claimed the men. Ravi, tired from the journey and his senses fogged by drink, decided he should sleep. He didn't want to make a fool of himself at his daughter's in-law's house. So he got up, looked around for Kishan to take his leave, but not finding him, staggered off to his room. He didn't know how long he had been asleep, but he felt himself being shaken awake. Through his very blurred vision, he could make out a devastated Kishan standing in front of him, hands folded and surrounded by a few other male members of their family. 
his younger son's wedding had been called off by the girl's family. Their entire family would lose face in the village. Only Ravi could save them. Save them? How? Ravi asked bewildered. Kishan said, let my younger son marry your younger daughter. Ravi was shocked. Jyoti? His little Jyoti? But she was still a child. He wasn't thinking of a wedding yet. She still had four, five years left. Kishan pleaded, Ravi ji, please. Save our family from this humiliation. Your elder daughter is already a part of us. Both your girls will be together. We will take good care of Jyoti, we promise. Kishan begged, he implored. Ravi finally and helplessly agreed. What else could he do? Just like Jyoti and Aarti, there are many young girls who have no choice. Girls like Kamla who are pushed to get married so that there is one less mouth to feed for a poverty-stricken family. Or like Meena, married off at 14 to pay off her father's debt. Or like Shanti, married off at 15 because that is the village tradition. Whatever the reason, there are many Jyotis, Artis, Kamlas, Meenas, Shantis and more in India who suffer the same fate. Child marriage. Hi, I'm Roshan Abbas. Welcome to Missing, a podcast that explores the stories of child trafficking and sexual exploitation that highlight the innocence, the deception and what happens behind closed doors. To help us understand the issues in more depth, our host, Lena Kejriwal, founder of the Missing Link Trust, will talk to psychologists, lawyers, activists and other experts for their insight on child protection, sexual abuse, cyber safety and more. Today, we are taking a look at the issue of child marriage. Here's your host, Lena Kejriwal. Even after seeing a huge decline in the prevalence of child marriage from 47% to 27% in the last decade, India is still home to the largest number of child brides in the world. That number is 223 million child brides, a third of the global total. All this, according to a child marriage country profile by the UNICEF and United Nations Population Fund, the UNFPA. Almost 16% of all adolescent girls aged 15 to 19 are currently married in the country, even though, as per law, the marriageable age is 21 for men and 18 for women. To give us an on-ground overview of the issue of child marriage, here is Bharti Ali, a development professional and child rights activist who has been working on the issues concerning gender and child rights for over 29 years. She's the co-founder and currently executive director of HUC, Center for Child Rights, a Delhi-based non-profit that recognizes, promotes and protects the rights of all children. It is a rampant problem, not very highly reported, though. 
because the statistics really don't give us much information. The crime statistics don't give us much information. If I recall in 2006, when the law was reframed and we had a new law to deal with child marriage, they recorded a total of three cases, you know, in the entire country. And as of date, we just have some 795 cases. This is 2020 crime statistics data from the NCRB. So there is underreporting, but the problem is widespread. We've seen child marriages coming down. The latest NFHS 5 data gives us some hope because it says that the child marriages have reduced from 26.8% as reported during NFHS 4 to 23.3%. This is number of women who got married before attaining the legal age of 18 years. And we also see that it's gone down in states like Chhattisgarh. Similarly, coming from Haryana, it's a very positive sign. But there are states, you know, which are still requiring attention. Bihar, for instance, requires attention. Although the percentage of child marriages has gone down in Rajasthan, it still requires attention. And we've known Rajasthan as a state where children get married at a very, very young age. Marriages are fixed at a very young age, sometimes even before, you know, the child is born. So those are, you know, areas that require attention. Bihar and then Uttar Pradesh, Rajasthan, some of the states that require attention. Then there are differences, district-wise differences as well, you know, which we need to be cognizant of. There are rural and urban differences, again, which we need to be cognizant of. For instance, in rural areas, the child marriage rates for females are 27% compared to 14.7% in urban areas. And for males, it's 21.1% compared to 11.3% in urban areas. So this is data which is acknowledged by the government. It is government data and something that we need to recognize and learn to deal with and do something about. The government reported data isn't really giving us a true representation of the extent of the issue of child marriage. Though, according to Bharti, the problem is rampant. So what are the various problems that are intrinsic to child marriage and which contribute to the increase in cases? Bharti explains. You know, we've always sort of linked child marriages to the phenomena of dowry, that, you know, girls are seen as a burden and you have to pay dowry. The higher the age, you have to pay more and therefore get them married early and you can handle that problem of dowry to an extent which again also has to do with poverty. But it's not, you know, as if people from children and girls from wealthy families don't get married early. I know of a community living in Delhi where girls are married off even before they complete their schools and they are wealthy communities into exports of all kinds, you know, from leather to scarves to jewellery. So it's not just about poverty. That's something that we need to be cognizant of. The other thing that I want to say is that a lot of it is to do with education. We generally tend to keep girls out of schools. And that's because the schools are increasingly becoming more expensive. Although there is Right to Education Act, which provides for free and compulsory education, but still there are costs attached to it. So when it comes to deciding on costs between or expenditure, you know, between your son and daughter, the preference is always the son and the daughter gets left behind. Increasing privatization of education, therefore, is a concern. 
And the right to education, of course, is limited to 14 years of age. It does not extend up to 18 years or let's say 21 years. So it's very difficult for girls to find any opportunities beyond a certain age and they tend to drop out. So that's a huge gap there. The other issue that's coming up now is about safety of girls. Whether it's being used as an excuse, that's something I haven't been able to really figure out. But today when you talk to families, they tell you that, you know, we don't want our daughters raped. And there is that fear of sexual violence against girls is so high that they would rather have their daughters married early than wait for a mishappening to take place in their life. And another factor which is very starkly standing out today in our faces is that it's not just the fear of rape, you know, it's actually also about controlling sexuality of adolescents, particularly girls. We've always wanted to do that as a society. Every patriarchal society tends to have control over the most vulnerable children, A, because of age, are definitely more vulnerable, and B, because we don't know how to deal with that adolescent phase of development. Since we don't have answers, since we don't know how to deal, the best option for us is to try and control their sexual behavior and sexuality. So that's become one of the reasons, very big reason for getting girls married early before they become a cause for bringing dishonor to the family. Family honor is very big thing in India. So that's another big factor. Now that we've taken a look at some of the societal factors that contribute to the prevalence of child marriage in India, let's listen to what happens when a young girl does end up getting married. Betali Ganguly is a founder member of Jabala Action Research Organization. Jabala is a human rights organization working on issues such as child marriage, human trafficking, HIV AIDS and migration in marginalized parts of Kolkata and various other districts in West Bengal. Here is Petali narrating some on-ground accounts of child marriage. I was in Mushidabad and yesterday one girl told me, it would have been much better, Didi, if I won't get married because initially I thought it was so good. But now my husband didn't get any time to look at me even, to spend the time with me. And I have to take a lot of household chores. From morning till night, I have to do the household, the walk, walk and walk. I didn't get any time for my own rest. And now I am pregnant. So initially they spent very nicely. But after that, they have to face a domestic violence. They don't know how to behave with mother-in-law. They don't know at what time they have to provide uh, food to the brother-in-law in a proper time. She was unaware that she has to wash the clothes in a proper time, wash it, dry it, then manage the household. And she cannot, she's not allowed to talk in front of anybody. She should not negate anybody because she is a class 8 pass. So that is another problem she's facing. She's missing the football club. She's missing the school. She's missing the afternoon loitering, chats, even accessing mobile. She spent a lot of time chatting the friends, just seeing the YouTube. She's denied all those nowadays. 
if she is not pregnant, that is also another reason for domestic violence till date. If she is not pregnant for a pretty long time, because she is not allowed to tell his husband to use condom, but she has to take the pill, oral pill, on regular basis and early age for some time as she wanted it. But after some days, the in-laws pressurize why the child is not coming, why my daughter-in-law is not getting pregnant, why is the pregnancy? And she has to digest a lot of abusive sentences for not being pregnant. So domestic violence started. Physical, mental, psychological. Physical comes a little bit later. Initially the psychological and mental one. Many young girls dream that married life will be something out of a movie. But as Betali narrates in her story from Murshidabad, the reality is far from a fairy tale. They have their freedom snatched away from them and become nothing but servants at the beck and call of the entire family. Losing all sense of hope, life and even losing any kinds of independence and voice. And the snatching of freedom begs the question, in case of forced marriage, can acts of a sexual nature truly be consensual? Section 375 of the Indian Penal Code, which prohibits rape, includes an exception which reads, Sexual intercourse or sexual acts by a man with his own wife, his wife not being under 15 years of age, is not rape. So does child marriage act as a vehicle for rampant and extreme sex abuse? Betali gives us her opinion. To me, the sexual abuse, the sexual violence they face, I should consider it's a rape. It's a rape. Many of the cases, but they are not allowed to consider that. And most of the cases, the initial stages, when the man is a quite aged one, and when there's a forced marriage, all the sexual act within those marriages are sexual violence. Whether I consider that rape or not, obviously, but that should be considered as sexual violence and we should address those as sexual violence. So how do these marriages actually take place? Do the families and societies that practice child marriage know that they're doing something wrong? Betali and Bharti tell us what they have observed. Actually, all of them know. Now, as I found, especially the areas I'm working, none of them told that 18 years and 21 years is the legal age. They don't know. They know pretty well. Initially, they knew that it was a crime. Now, they know it's a legal crime. This is the difference. And perhaps you have seen that lot many child marriage stop. People are going, stop the marriage and they are giving the undertaking, then I will not give marriage to my daughter at an early age. But after few days or few weeks, they took the girl to some other place from that area. Maybe some relative's house, some maternal uncle's house, or somewhere else, I don't know where. And the marriage happened. So that means it's not they don't know. You know, this registration of marriages is so funny. 
funny and serious as well at the same time. Because there are different states who have enacted their own laws for compulsory registration of marriages. Himachal, for instance, has one. Tamil Nadu has one. Which actually means that all marriages have to be registered, irrespective of the age of the bride and the groom. So even if it's an underage marriage, a child marriage, it must be registered because every marriage has to be compulsorily registered under the law. The problem is that there is no duty or responsibility cast on the officials to report, you know, an underage marriage which they have registered. So it's there in the register of marriages, but what to do with it is something that no official really knows. The other thing is that even if officials were aware, I really don't think there would be much change and I don't think there would be reporting because there is some kind of tacit sanction to child marriages, you know, as a customary practice in most parts of the country. So there's a problem there. Also, there is a common perception that the lack of education is a factor that contributes to the growing phenomena of child marriage. Surprisingly, Bharti also tells us that the states with the higher cases of child marriage have high literacy rates. During the COVID pandemic, we saw a spurt in child marriage cases, including in states like Kerala. And that was very, very disturbing. Kerala has shown high literacy rates. So, yeah, everyone was shocked to see the data coming out of Kerala. Particularly, it wasn't just about child marriages. It was also data about, you know, teenage pregnancies. So, I was reading a report which said that, and it was published by the state's economics and statistics department, which said that some 22,500 young mothers were there who were below the age of 19 years. And it said that about 137 mothers in rural areas gave birth to a second baby before the age of 19 years. So, you know, those were some shocking statistics that came out during the COVID pandemic. Mallapuram was one of the districts that was reported. Palakkad was another district that was reported. So, yes, Kerala has thrown us off the gear and, you know, forced us to think more about what really is this. So, uh, while on the one hand, we understand and we recognize that whatever change we have been able to bring in the rates of child marriage in the country is because of connecting girls to the education system. We also realize that there are additional factors now playing a bigger role. Like I said, safety of girls, the cost of marriage, those are external factors that are really playing a big role, including in Kerala. Another factor here, unsurprisingly, is politics. Bharti tells us more. In the name of getting girls married, there are these mass marriages which are organized. Nobody checks the age, nobody checks all those details. And when they do, they fake the details on paper. There have been raids, there have been, you know, rescues in the past, but no learning. And that's because, you know, somewhere there is political patronage to this whole phenomena. I recall, you know, a politician who was making an election speech in Rajasthan. And also a woman, which is again uh, shocking, but uh, I guess part of the same patriarchal system. So in her election speech, she said that, don't worry, nobody will stop you from conducting child marriages. And if anything happens, you can come to me anytime and I'll help you out. So those were the kind of promises being made during elections. So there's a lot of political patronage. 
which needs to be dealt with. I think there's a lot of education to be done with our parliamentarians, with our members of legislative assemblies around this issue. And the behavior change communication needs to be directed as much at people who are in positions of authority as people who are actually, you know, vulnerable and succumb to a lot of other pressures around them. Child marriage enables the exploitation of children. Sadly, this can eventually lead to far more insidious crimes. Crimes like trafficking. Betali gives us examples. Girls are going to Dubai. Girls are going to Israel in name of job. But if enough safety is not ensured, their passport will be confiscated. So what will happen to them, you don't know. And the Kashmir girls I found, some of them I met, I could not rescue because they asked a huge amount of money. So they have been sold. Another example I can tell you for UP, they were married to there and two girls came back on their own. They rescued themselves. They ran away from that family and they found that they were being sexually exploited, used every day by the members and other members of the family. And the whole day they work as a bonded labor, take care of the cattle to take care of the field. The whole day they work and at night their body being used by different members of the family. But they went there in name of marriage. Betali's example describes a form of polyandry. In various parts of India, like Haryana, Punjab, Rajasthan and Western UP, the preference for sons and rampant female infanticide has created an abundance of unmarried men. Due to this gap in the sex ratio, men are unable to find brides to marry, which leads to young girls being purchased and trafficked from Bengal, Bihar, Assam and Jharkhand. These child brides are called Mol ki bahue, or paro. Eventually, they may officially get married to one man, but they are expected to act as a wife to many others in the family. It's widely known that young girls are more sought after in trafficking networks and as child brides. Betali explains how their age is a major factor based on first-hand research. I talked to the adult men on this particular issue. I talked about 50 men. Most of them said there are three ideas. One is young girls looking very good, enjoying sex with them, give them extra pleasure. Third is managing young girls is very important thing. They don't have much decision-making power. They don't have much to say. So submissive. So they enjoy the young body. Virgin sex, virginity. So what role does the law and law enforcement play in situations where people from the community do wish to challenge their customary practice? Bharti questions whether these systems are effective. So under the Prohibition of Child Marriage Act 2006, there is something called a child marriage prohibition officer who is supposed to be there in every district. 
unfortunately, people really don't ever get to know who is this child marriage prohibition officer. But usually it's the CDPO of the block or protection officer in the block who has also been designated as the child marriage prohibition officer. But for those who don't know and don't have such uh, information, the best way is to call Childline, which is a simple number, 1098, or you inform the police. So whenever the police receives information, they also have to bring the child marriage prohibition officer into the picture and report the matter to the CMPO, to call it in short. And then they can seek an injunction through the court. Injunction is like a stay order. So if you know that a child marriage is going to take place, you can prevent it you know, by seeking this injunction order from the court. Again, the problem is that people don't really want to deal with the legal system and the justice system. Uh, there's this whole fear about the legal system. So people really don't go to the courts. Actually, the law has not really provided an answer to the problem of child marriage. It's very confusing. And that's where, you know, a lot of people have been saying that child marriages should be declared void ab initio, illegal from day one. But sorry, I'm just barging in here just to say that, you know, when we ask for such laws, we need to be aware of the repercussions of such laws on the people we are trying to protect, on the young people, on the adolescents, on the children we are trying to protect. The moment you declare all child marriages void ab initio, you make children and adolescents even more vulnerable. As we understand in our scenario, a marriage would lead to a sexual relationship, which could result in pregnancy. And so having a marriage declared illegal, completely void, can have serious impact on the children born out of such marriages, can have serious psychological impacts on the girls and boys who are in such marriages and who have probably accepted such marriages or who have willingly out of their own choice, you know, entered into a marital relationship underage for whatever compulsions or for whatever reasons of choice. So we need to be cognizant and aware of the repercussions as well, of the laws that we want in future. Currently, there is an amendment underway to change the legal age of marriage for women from 18 years to 21 years. There is an ongoing debate in child rights spaces about its repercussions. Bharti and Betali tell us their takes on this matter. I don't know whether the child protection goal, you know, can be achieved by criminalizing children in this manner. And then we also had judgment from the Supreme Court which said that all cases of child marriage will be also treated as cases of sexual offenses against minors. So which has really put our young people in a very difficult situation to the extent that, you know, it has affected their access to sexual and reproductive health. I've seen girls who are pregnant, under 18, in a miserable condition, not wanting to reach out to a doctor for fear of law because that would mean that the boyfriend or the husband goes behind bars and they are taken off and sent to some children's home. So they don't even access healthcare when they need it the most during pregnancy. And I've also seen someone on the verge of dying in such a situation where last minute 
she was just fortunate to have found healthcare but otherwise she could have lost herself and the baby so why do we want to make laws which is going to make young people more vulnerable and put them in more difficult situations to us raising the age of marriage is definitely not the answer like i said laws have not been an answer to child marriage this information and data clearly telling us that it's education it's you know work on sexual and reproductive health rights of adolescents that has helped us achieve some of the child marriage goals and not the law so let's learn from the past let's learn from what data is telling us if you look at nfhs4 data about 48% of women aged 20 to 24 years were married by the age of 20 years and 63% of women aged 25 to 49 years were married by the age of 21 years so are you even imagining the numbers we are going to have to deal with if we increase the age of marriage from 18 to 21 years all of them will be criminalized all of them will be detained all of them will also be institutionalized at some or the other point for no reason there will be investigation costs involved in all these cases which will be going to court a law also means penalty so somebody will have to pay the penalty most probably the families who will be embroiled in the legal cases so what are we really trying to do i really don't see raising the age of marriage being an answer i think when we are just fighting to just protect them to support them as they don't have the sex education don't have the quality education facilities they don't have the access to join the labor force no skill no opportunity now we are increasing that age three years without increasing those facilities that is one thing and do we tell the girls please stop be inactive on your sexuality don't be sexually active be sexually inactive now i am telling they are sexually active what they will do and what is the reason to increase that age without providing any of the support so to me it will increase the number of child marriage to carefully consider the consequences of such amendments to law we don't have to look very hard according to bharti under the pokso act which is the law on protection of children from sexual offences anywhere between 25 to 30% cases are romantic relationships We've seen that consensual romantic relationships between two minors have led to wrongful convictions. Disapproving families save face by misusing the law to punish the boy. Bitali elaborates. Because sex is not allowed till date is not accepted in our society without marriage. So marriage is the sanction is the gateway to enjoy sex to have sex so now when this has happened the boy is also minor the girl is also minor and then another thing happened that the law is that the pokso the boy became the victim of pokso and it's not the boy or the girl who is taking the legal support is the family who is disapproving the relation so they lost the case and it's a huge harassment on the part of the boy 
So what are the solutions to an issue like child marriage that is so deeply entrenched in the patriarchal customs and traditions and are made worse by the systemic issues like economic disparity and politics? Let's first take a look at what the system has in place to mitigate the issue. Here's Bharti. There are other things which have actually controlled child marriage to an extent. For instance, like as I said, you know, Haryana has been able to bring down the child marriage rates because it has scheme for conditional cash transfer. So if you're sending your daughter to school and she completes her school education, then you keep giving certain incentives as cash at different stages of school clearance. Similar schemes are there, like the Kanyashri scheme in West Bengal, which actually allow parents to send their daughters to school and to delay the age of marriage. So that has worked in some places. But then we've also seen as soon as they turn 18, immediately, you know, they start looking for grooms and they're married off. So to what extent these schemes work is also a question that we need to look at. So there are many factors. There are social factors. There are factors relating to sexual and reproductive health and adolescence. The fact that children continue to be treated as extensions of family, you know, rather than individuals with rights is a very, very big factor where we decide for them rather than, you know, having a dialogue with young people, with adolescents and helping them, encourage them to take decisions which are informed decisions. Currently, there is a scholarship scheme called Kanyashri, where the government of West Bengal helps economically backward families with cash as an incentive for families to keep their daughters in school and not arrange their marriage before 18 years. Betali acknowledges that this contributes to the fight against child marriage. However, the same state government has a scheme called Rupashri that provides a one-time financial grant for economically stressed families when their adult daughters get married. And this is meant to save them from debt traps. Sadly, this may work against the efforts to mitigate child marriage, which is often a way for families to get rid of the economic burden their daughters are perceived to be. Betali explains while sharing some solutions. Actually, here lies the problem of child marriage. To us, child marriage is a problem, but to them, child marriage is a solution. You and me call the child marriage a problem. We have to, how do we solve this problem? But to the other society, be it the community, be it the family, they think child marriage is a solution. They can protect the girl from us so that they can have a lot of decision-making power. They should not be empowered in such a way they can question the investment of the family. So to empower them, I think the main thing is this is actually how to address the child marriage, to give them a lot of quality educational facilities. And if she herself is not able to convince the parents, nowadays the schools are very proactive and schools have been instructed to take some steps for that. First, educate the girl, educate the family and empower the girl now, empower the society. And when I talk about the empower the society means involve and engage the empowerment program, the religious leader, any other community leaders are there in tribal communities, there are other leaders and any any sort of influence makers, including the panchayats. 
the religious leaders they are the leader they are the person who will keep the age if they ask before marriage they show me your birth certificate if not birth certificate is a school enrollment certificate then the age will be proved if they say no not a single underage marriage will be allowed the child marriage will be controlled almost 70% almost 70% second is i think they should express themselves and let them feel that they are the entity there should be a journey from non entity to entity there should be some mechanism from where girls feel that always you say girls cannot there should be a journey from cannot to can so there should be a lot of vocational training and other thing that is confidence building something so one is education another is sports and they should have the equal opportunity to access the sports be it football be it other have the equal access equal partnership in the public places other thing is that is i'm telling nowadays to everyone identify the good practices or some of the role models who did some good work who continue the education and earn something and get a position in the village finally bharti enlightens us about the work that needs to be done to stop the practice of child marriage media is such an important tool to actually work with and use in the communities now and mainstream commercial media is what we need to use for behavior change communication so i think it's time to invest in behavior change communication is something that i'll say we need to encourage education we need to bring schools closer to girls and boys we need to rethink about privatization of education and extend the right to free and compulsory education to all children up to the age of 18 years and we need to also work on addressing sexuality and sexual needs of children we really cannot sort of assume that children will not have any biological needs at a certain age so we need to recognize that we need to work with parents i think parents find it very difficult to deal with that age so a lot of education needs to happen with parents around adolescence and how to deal with adolescent sexual behavior and how can they open up the spaces to introduce sexuality rights education to their children at an early age and in what manner in an age appropriate manner of course it is through learning from our past decisions analyzing the real on ground situations and hoping for a tomorrow where child marriage does not exist that we will one day see that hope turn into a reality my sincere thanks to bharti ali and betali ganguly for giving us an extensive overview and an on ground look into child marriage in india in this episode i've been your host leena kejriwal Do check out our work at savemissinggirls.com. Follow us on Insta and Twitter at missinggirls. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email at reachers at savemissinggirls.com.